My name is Nathan Albert. I'm a pastor in Rhode Island. Uh, it's a small state, so it didn't take me too long to get here, but uh, friends with Pastor Phil and uh, Pastor Frank, and I'm uh, thankful to be here. Thanks, worship team, uh, for leading, that, leading us in that. Uh, as we start this evening, uh, we've been in this sermon series uh, entitled Moments, and that throughout life there are moments, big and small, mundane and significant, planned and unintended, happy and tragic, and within a moment, the trajectory of our life uh, can completely change. Our faith might deepen. Our relationships may form in a new way, and everything can be different in a moment. As Pastor Frank alluded to last week, through all of these moments, God is with us. He referenced Psalm 139, and we even sang about it tonight, that no matter if we're on the top of a mountain or we're walking through the deepest depths, God is with us. God knows when we stand and when we sit. God knows when we are going out or when we are lying down. All the words on our tongue he knows before they're spoken. All our thoughts before they're thought he knows. We cannot hide from God, for God is with us through each and every moment. After spending so much time praising God uh, for being with him, David in Psalm 139 ends uh, his psalm and starts talking about people who are trying to kill him. And you can sense he's getting overwhelmed and he's getting anxious and he's flustered and he has this moment of fear and worry. If you're reading the psalm, it totally it doesn't make sense because he goes from praising God to talking about killing people. And you're like, what? And it's a little off, awkward. But eventually in, psalm, uh, in verse 23, he exclaims before God, finally after this anxious thought, he says, Search me, God. Know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So tonight we're going to talk about the moment of worry and how uh, when we meditate and, and think and know the gospel of Jesus that we can move uh, from, from worry to worship. Join me in prayer. God, I thank you that you are in this place that this isn't simply a building uh, in, in Connecticut, that this is a holy temple where you are dwelling, that we are on holy ground. So we thank you, God, that you are in this place. We thank you that we can sing songs to you, uh, that we can hear from your word, that you can continue to speak to us today. And I pray a special grace upon us tonight that we might understand that our worries uh, need not be and that our moments of worries can be transformed into worship. Make me less so you can become more. And may we leave here knowing a, a little bit more of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, who is our King, who is our Savior, and in whose name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. There's one thing I'm really good at. It's worrying. I'm a natural. Uh, growing up, my mom called me the worry wart of the family. Uh, my fingernails are a testament to uh, that. The more I worry, the more bloody chipped stumps they become. Uh, most of my worries are completely irrational, like totally, totally crazy, like such as I'm um, walking down the sidewalk and um, getting swallowed into a sinkhole. 
just, it just happens. Uh, I have an irrational fear of going to a baseball game and I'm enjoying the baseball game and I hear the crack of the, the bat and the ball and the next thing I know the ball's coming my way and I think I'm finally going to catch a foul ball or a home run and I go to reach for it and it hits my hand and it breaks my finger and it ricochets off my hand and hits me in the face and knocks me unconscious. Meanwhile, as I'm falling, the jumbotron, I'm on the jumbotron, it's all slow motion by the way, uh, mustard from my hot dog spills all over me. Next thing I know when I come to all 30,000 people are laughing at me. Uh, getting, uh, I have an irrational fear of getting um, like dive-bombed by a killer bee while I'm driving. It just like sneaks in the window and starts attacking me in the neck and I'm swerving. Car flips over, bee stings me one last time. I also have a fear of swimming in an ocean or lake and something brushes up against my leg and I think, oh, it's just seaweed and I go down to investigate and it's one of these suckers. That is a basking shark. <laughs> I have some realistic worries and fears, though, too. I worry about finances. I worry about being too late to arrive somewhere, and sometimes I worry about being too early. I worry about how I might handle a tragedy, whether it be in my personal life or within my community. How would I handle that? I worry that close family members or friends of mine would die. I worry that my mom and my sister's cancer will come back. I worry that I'll be rejected or abandoned if people really knew my doubts or my insecurities. Some days I worry whether I'm not uh, really cut out for this whole pastor thing. And if we're honest, I think we all can go around and come up with a list. Perhaps it's a pretty extensive list of, of some of the things that make us worried or, or, or bring us fear. Maybe it's, for you, uh, war or political policies or the threat of terror. Uh, maybe it's worries about loss of reputation or employment, uh, finances, loss of life, school, exams, the way you look, your weight. Maybe you worry some tragedy will happen to your family or to your kids. You might worry about the unknown or discomfort worry about your safety. Perhaps it's a sickness or a disease right now, and you're worried about that test result. Spiritually, perhaps you're worried of whether this is all pans out in the end, or whether this, is, this whole Christianity thing is really worth it. Uh, maybe you are worried about God's judgment, or, or maybe you fear certain theological opinions, whether it be too liberal or too conservative. And maybe you uh, worry about whether God will bless you and truly love you Maybe you have anxiety and you have no reason for it at all, and it's just something you battle. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, teaches and, is, and, teaches and encourages his followers to live in a, a new way, and it's a way without worry at all. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's Matthew 6, 25 through 34. It'll be up on the screen as well, but this is what Jesus says to his followers. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than birds? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? 
See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, it's thrown into the fire. Well, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Every time I read this passage, I'm totally comforted, and I stop worrying for roughly three minutes. But in this passage, Jesus actually commands us not to worry. It's a command similar to don't lie, don't steal, don't murder, don't worry. But, but for some reason, I think it's, it's impossible not to worry. I feel like I can't follow that command. Paul uses the same command in Philippians where he says, well, don't be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And when you do, he says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. I can follow a command not to murder, but not to worry. I think that one's impossible, and I don't do it. For me, when I don't trust God, or when I worry, it's basically me saying, I don't trust God. I don't believe that God has my best interest in mind. I don't really believe uh, that God is in control of all things. And when we worry, especially when it consumes us like it does me, uh, we say to God, God, aren't you in control? God, why can't you handle this? God, why, why aren't you being God? Worry is basically saying, God, I don't think you're God. Worry then becomes idolatrous. Worry actually becomes an insult to God. And I insult God a lot. One of my favorite authors, Oswald Chambers, says, Worry springs from a determination to get your own way. And worrying is wicked if you are a child of God. Because the thing is, when we worry, we forget the promises in Psalm 139, that God is with us, that there is nowhere we, where we can go that we can flee God's presence, that God's hand will guide us all the days of our, of our lives, that darkness will not be dark to God. When we worry, we forget the promises of Matthew 6 here and Jesus' words that we need not worry because our Heavenly Father cares for us because of his great love for us. He will take care of our needs, and he knows them. So when we worry, we are forgetting the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I need to be reminded of the gospel every day because I forget the gospel every day. And when I forget the gospel every day, it means I worry every day. So tonight, I just simply want to remind us of the gospel. And hopefully that will help us to move from worry to worship, even if it's just for tonight, even if it's just for one song, that we somehow can set aside our worries 
and move to worship. See, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, uh, the gospel of, of Christ isn't instruction. It's not inv- advice. It's not a moral checklist that we have to do in order to live as good, beautiful Christians. The gospel is news. It's news about an event that happened that changed the course of history. It's news about a person that because of his life, death, and resurrection, everything is different. The gospel is the good news that Jesus is God in the flesh, that he loved us so much that he couldn't stay away from us, but that he dwelt in the person of Jesus, lived a perfect and sinless life, was crucified, died, and was buried, and on the third day rose again, conquering evil, death, and the devil. And it's through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus that God fully accomplishes salvation for us. For it is by grace that we have been saved. And because of this, we are welcomed into friendship and relationship with the God who is love. And we are, this God ushers in a new type of kingdom, one of mercy and grace and love. And God will restore and renew all of creation. The gospel says that the sinless one became sin so that we, the sinful ones, might become sinless. The gospel says that the perfect one, Jesus, became imperfect so we, the imperfect ones, might become perfect. And the gospel says that Jesus, the holy one, became absolutely unholy so that we, the unholy ones, might become holy. Scripture reminds us of that, that you and I, as Colossians says, we were alienated from God. We were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. We were once dead in our sins and our transgressions, stuck in our worries and our anxiety. But because of God's great love for us, for you and for me, God has reconciled us by Christ's physical body through death to present you and I holy in God's sight, without blemish, free from accusation. Because God is rich in mercy, we have been made alive in Christ. We are God's workmanship, God's masterpieces, a one-of-a-kind one creation created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And we have been rescued from a dominion of darkness. And we've been brought into a kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. And in Christ we have redemption, we have the forgiveness of sins, and we have freedom from worry. And if the God who did all that takes care of the birds and clothes the grass, well, surely this God is going to take care of me. And surely this God will take care of you. So how can we remember the gospel? In the same passage we read from Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount when he commands us not to worry, Matthew 6, 33, he, he says this simple phrase, but seek first his kingdom, or seek first the kingdom of God. Uh, Seek first doesn't mean simply uh, look or see, actually. Uh, It means much more than that. Seek first can mean devote yourselves to it. Give a serious effort. Strive for it. Work for it. Work to obtain it. Be dominated by the kingdom of God. Let it fill your mind. Seek first that kingdom. St. Paul puts it this way in his uh, letter to the Philippians. As he says, don't be worried or anxious about anything, he says. But instead, whatever is true, whatever is noble, 
whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about uh, that phrase here, similar to what Jesus says, can mean give careful thought, ponder, fill your mind completely. Let, let your mind dwell on it, marinate on it. Let your mind dwell on what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. And the only thing I know that fits that bill is the kingdom of God. And the only person I know that fits that bill is Jesus Christ. Jesus is true. Jesus is noble. Jesus is right. Jesus is pure. Jesus is lovely. Jesus is admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. So be dominated by Jesus. Think about Jesus. Strive for Jesus. And when we do, we will move from moments of worry to moments of worship. I had a moment when I stopped worrying and I moved to worship, and it happened in an unlikely place. My best friend and I, Jeff, he lives in New York City. I was living in New York City at the time, and we decided to go to the Bodies exhibit. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. Uh, it's this traveling exhibit that goes around. Basically, the Body exhibit is a museum full of cadavers. That, that, that have been put through a polymer process that basically turns bodies into mannequins, plastic, humans. And the exhibit uh, in, uh, showcases all the intricacies of the human body. I mean, it's kind of weird. Some of the bodies are cut up, and some of it's just veins, and some of the bodies have half no skin on, and they're all posed out in the open. Like, you can literally stand right next to them, and they're posed in different ways. Now, before entering this exhibit... I had some major irrational fears and worries. Uh, I was worried I would throw up. I was worried I, I'd faint. I was worried the bodies would come back to life. I was worried the bodies would come back to life making me throw up and then faint. I mean, no joke, I, li I literally said a little prayer right before I walked in. I, was, I, 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 don't, I don't know, I just did. I was like, God, please don't let me pass out and throw up in here. Um, so we're going through this exhibit with all these polymered bodies. And at one point, Jeff and I are standing in front of this polymered, fleshless body. I was worried about fainting and trying to find a railing that I could at least hold on to. And Jeff, on the other hand, stared in amazement at this body. And eventually he whispered, good one, God. Body after body, room by room, exhibit by exhibit, Jeff kept saying, good one, God. Walk up to a body, wow. Up to the next one. <laughs> Good one, God. Good one, God. And there was this moment I caught on. I started to, to see this exhibit in a new way. I moved from looking at dead bodies and fearful that they might attack me to seeing the beauty of God's creation and then ultimately to worship God for his creation body after body, exhibit after exhibit, creation after creation. Good one, God. Good one, God. Good one, God. Good one, God. And slowly but surely, good one, God. Good one, God. Good one, God. My worries went, went away. Good one, God. Good one, God. And I ended up worshiping God in a museum. And then when I left, my, left the museum, 
it, it was really weird. It was like my mind was dominated and filled and marinated upon God. That when I left the exhibit, everything around me I saw in new ways. And everything made me say, good one, God. I mean, we're in the middle of New York City, and it's like honking, good one, God. Traffic, good one, God. A random tree, good one, dog. A, a dog peeing on the tree, good one, God. Uh, people laughing, good one, God. The sound of the wind, good one, God. Trees, good one, God. Good one, God. The subway, good one, God. And I moved from being overcome with worry to the point where it made me almost freeze before I went in, overcome with worry, to overflowing with worship. So when I think about Christ, when I think about what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, when I think about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, when I think about myself less and when I think about God more, when I seek with all my heart, soul, and mind the kingdom of God, all I can do is exclaim, good one, God. And when that dominates my mind, when I strive for that, when I think upon that, when I seek that first, I realize my worries are a waste of time. They're simply straw men taking up space, getting in the way of my relationship with my heavenly Father who cares so much for me. Look at the birds of the air. Are you not more, much more valuable than they? And who of you by worrying can add a single hour of the, to their life? Will God not much more clothe you? Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Do not worry. Worry is an emotion. It changes, it ebbs and flows. So we might feel worried. But don't let your feelings dictate what you know to be true. I'm worried God might not love me. That is not true. Let what is true dictate your feelings. Remember what is true. Remember the gospel, the good news of Jesus is true. It moves us away from worry to worship. And when we remember this, when we seek first the kingdom of God, when we remember the gospel, we will move from worry to worship and we will be able to proclaim with the psalmist in 139 as he says, I praise you, O God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Move from the moment of worry to moments of worship. I'm going to invite our worship team up as we close and pray. I invite you to pray with me. Our God and our King, you are the one who is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy. Your gospel, your kingdom, you, Jesus, are worth marinating on, studying, knowing, thinking about, seeking first. We confess before you, God, tonight that there have been times in our lives when worries get out of hand. And without realizing it, we insult you by saying, God, you don't know enough. Or God, you, sh you don't care for us. 
Or God, why aren't you involved right now? But we thank you for the truths that are in Scripture, that there is nowhere we can go that, that is away from your presence, that we cannot flee your love, that your love pursues us all the days of our lives. And that even if we walk uh, on the tallest mountain or even as we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no thing. Because there is nothing that can separate us from your love found in Christ Jesus. So for those of us here in this room who continue to worry, and maybe we have great uh, reasons to worry, I ask that in these coming moments, you would allow us to push aside our worries, to remember that you, Heavenly Father, care for us, and that we can move from a, a over, being overcome with worry to being overflowing with worship. Come inhabit the praises of your people tonight. We give you glory and honor and praise, for you are the one You are the one who loves us more than we could ever hope or imagine. You are the one who has saved us. You are the Lord of lords and King of kings, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And that you care so much for us. We worship you tonight, O Lord, for you are true and noble and pure and right. And you, O God, are praiseworthy. Amen.